Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden. Where we continue to follow the capture and killing of Osama bin Laden now. Those are just some of the scenes overnight as thousands of Americans gathered in celebration of Osama bin Laden's death. Former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill says he has thought about the mission every day since that May Day in 2011. From multiple conversations you had with Rob O'Neill over the past year and a half, how'd you get And you described that his head kind of exploded yes. when you hit I, him. Yes, I actually hit him three times because I shot him twice when he was standing and once on the ground. That is the fucking American badass. Go, go, go. We are not going for fame and we are not going for bravado. We are going for the single mom who dropped her kids off at elementary school on a Tuesday morning, and then 45 minutes later, she jumped to her death out of a skyscraper. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. I'm Rob O'Neill, and this is the Operator Podcast. Oh, yes, it is episode 52. Almost the 4th of July edition. By that, I mean it's past the 4th of July, but I was unable to do a 4th of July episode of the Operator Podcast, so we're doing it today on Friday because it is the weekend. Everyone should be in a great mood. The hangover should be over, right, to kick you into Friday. So I'm very excited. I'm going to talk a little bit about patriotism. I'm not going to necessarily get too much into the uh, Declaration of Independence and the Constitution uh, even though that's very important to know, and we'll have plenty of time to do that over the course of the summer because hopefully we'll be getting some more podcasts. I want to keep doing them uh, every every Wednesday, but we'll see what happens with limited travel and whatnot. But we're going to get into that. We're going to talk um, a little bit about the festivities, about how some Americans treat this country and how others uh, think about uh, this country. But we are going to start that in about two minutes. We'll start the uh, adventures there because first, I want to just talk about a couple things. Obviously, the gun thing, we have been, we're seeing the politics jump right back in with every mass shooting, even though it's with someone that's not the right person they want it to be, and it's someone that doesn't live the lifestyle they want it to be, but they end up killing someone with a gun they don't want him or her to kill people with. They always come back to, you got to get rid of the AR-15s, which is complete bullshit. And we've had arguments about uh, guns, not arguments I've been yelled at on social media about guns because of certain things I've said, Second Amendment things and things like that, but we'll um, we'll talk about that. And the more we get into people trying to rape the Constitution, the more I think, you know, you might just want to not give them an inch ever because they don't give us an inch with shit. So uh, that's that. And I, I did get shit for uh, mentioning that I love having a pump-action shotgun for my home defense. I think it's great, but... Uh, I just like the way it sounds. I like the deterrent. However, if you're not familiar with a shotgun, it might be complicated too. And an AR is not. <laughs> Let's just say it. Uh, I like the shotgun for home, but I know how to use an AR as well. We'll get into uh, There's plenty of time to talk about guns because um, a lot of the gun events are great. Most most gun people are awesome. It's, it's fun to go to ranges. I just opened a range in Florida. Got to come check out. It's really cool. I think people definitely need to be proficient with them because... That's the best way to teach safety with a gun, teach someone how to use it. If someone knows how to use it, they're less prone 
to have accidents with it. They, they won't find a gun and point it at someone and just shoot it because, oh, look at that. It's a toy gun. That's a real gun. But if you know how to use it and respect it, it's important for people. to. And I think you should have one for protection because it's better to, um, you know, like they say, it's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. And that's that's what I think, and I, I think they're great. So I'm, I'm going to bring up, you may have seen on social media, my partnership with Watchtower uh, Firearms. They're badass. They're in Texas. They're based in Texas. Everything, I went down there a few weeks ago. I'm going to meet up with them next week. We're going to shoot some cool video because hopefully we always have some new exciting stuff coming out of Watchtower Firearms. But I, I watched them in, in, in Texas, in Houston, right outside Houston, actually right in Houston, start from blocks of aluminum and make the entire gun. So it's all American-made, very precise. I started with Watchtower because uh, I a lot of pe- a lot of guns just kind of a lot of guns aren't made here, and a lot of people that get sponsored by guns just put their little name on it and be off. These I watched them make. I actually helped design it. Um, the 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 powers that be, the mechanics down there, they the 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 machinists, the engineers, they made it. But the we're calling it the uh, Navy Seal Robert O'Neill, the Nisro. That's what Nisro stands for, Navy Seal Robert O'Neill rifle, custom. It's there. Watchtower Firearms, cool. They got all kinds of. All kinds of good stuff. There's uh, different pistols, different colors. Basically, customize everything. But check out their guns. Watch our firearms. There's a uh, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West uh, BDRX 15 rifle. That's cool. And you got to check out our new brand ambassadors. Ray Cascare, former Navy SEALs down there. He's always fun. And then Nick Johnson, Mark D'Ambrosio uh, are there. A lot of new uh, influencers, a lot of new fun, great weapons. So check out Watch Tower. Come be a part of it. But that's that's all part of being prepared. The the guns are important. Just because something bad hasn't happened doesn't mean it won't. So I'm not saying go out and yeehaw, shoot them up all over the place. But I am saying be prepared for stuff that might happen. I hope it doesn't. But if it does, you want to be ready for it. You need to be prepared. You can't get into the normalcy bias thinking that uh, things are always going to be great. So I, I need to bring up um, another sponsor of the show, Allegiance Gold. They can help you be prepared because right now there's their bank's collapsing. There are 186 banks right now are on the risk of collapsing, and we don't want yours to be next. Uh, and if it is next, the Fed could do what they always do, and that's print. Like they did it back in March. They printed $300 billion out of thin air, and that's going to make your dollar worthless. That's what's called inflation. Uh, not to mention the risk of a recession that could have a significant impact on your investment and retirement accounts. Take my advice. Protect your financial future with something real. Gold and silver from my friends at Allegiance Gold. Allegiance Gold can help you protect your IRA or 401k with physical gold and silver, or if you prefer, have it delivered securely right to your front door. Since the beginning of time, there has been only one universal currency that's always a value, tangible, and that's gold. Allegiance Gold has the highest standards in the industry. Five stars with Trustlink, a AAA rating with the Business Consumer Alliance, and a A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. You can invest with confidence because of the quality and service of Allegiance Gold. And you can get up to $5,000 in free silver on a qualifying purchase when you visit protectwiththeoperator.com. Protectwiththeoperator.com. Do that today. Or give them a call at 844-790-9191. Do not let the Fed play Monopoly with your money. Protect your future with Allegiance Gold. Protectwiththeoperator.com or give them a call at 844-790-9191. <laughs> uh, so it is 
episode 52. And that's great that we're here. I'm very excited about that. Um, like I might have mentioned just a second ago, and if I do repeat myself because there's so much shit going on that we might get into it a little bit later too because uh, I, I, like I usually do, I have my notes in front of me. But uh, sometimes I go off of script and we start talking about I start talking about other stuff and then I think of stuff that I forgot to add, so I might add stuff later or whatever. I might I might have I might repeat myself. I hope I don't because there's there's a lot of cool stuff going on. Uh, this is not an emergency podcast. This is a Friday podcast of the operator. Um, I I normally put them out on Wednesdays and I have been doing some interviews. Sometimes I talk to myself. Sometimes I talk to you, but uh, if I've done what I call emergency podcasts on Fridays because it just seemed like it was a new day, but hopefully during the summer, I like to take a little bit of time off. And by off, I mean I'm not traveling a ton. I, I fly a lot. Uh, I don't. I post on at Makuya Instagram and Twitter some of my flights, but I haven't quite posted. I don't post all of them all the time, but what I consider working is flying all over the country sometimes around the world and like i give speeches i i, I go places for your grateful not my sorry not your grateful nation is for um um special operators transition foundation is what we named it used to be called your grateful nation i go to some events like that speaking engagements um stuff for watchtower firearms uh things like that golf events which i like but i, I consider taking time off as not being an airport so during the summer Hopefully, we can get a few podcasts out a week so you can join me at the Operator Podcast and go to Admikuya and tell me what we should talk about, what I said wrong. And don't be afraid if there's a, you see something posted or tweeted. Tweet, Twitter, I don't always read, like I said, because that's kind of the cesspool of, of uh, bot world. But if there's a future project or project or subject or whatever that we should be talking about, because current events are going to be fun. I, I, I'm not able to tell war stories or training stories or Navy SEAL stories of my own because there's only so many. I only served for 16 and a half years. So we talk about a, a lot about current events. And fortunately for you, um, no matter what there is, there's always politics. So we can talk about politics, which generally everything gets politicized, especially uh, if you do get on social media and see that everything, it, it, you could, you could, you could, uh, I just, I love to cook in the crock pot. I could put up my new crock pot hot sauce recipe and within four comments on Twitter, someone would be, fuck Trump. <laughs> okay, whatever, dude. Um, but so we could talk about politics and anything else. Military stuff usually comes up. Like I said, they're always politic and there's always a, an election going on, but um, we're going to do hopefully a couple of this week. I, I don't want to get used to that simply because my schedule gets nuts right around late August, September, and then, then I start traveling quite a bit more. And uh, It's not that I can't do podcasts on the road. I just I, I, I travel in a carry-on bag. I, I'd like to claim I can live at least 20 days, 20 days straight in a carry-on without doing laundry. Maybe not quite 20, but very, very close. And that, that obviously comes with a, with a combination of – I bring one jacket that you wear on the plane, and then you have different uh, different button downs that you can iron and, and whatnot, and change up colors and change up. A big key to travel is is have your um, have your sports jacket with you, and there's a cool way I can show you to fold it if you want uh, and put it above you in the carry on without wrinkling it. But it's good to have a, a jacket that you wear; it doesn't take up space, and then you can always change your uh, your uh, uh, pocket square or your handkerchief, what have you, and obviously your, your pelpins, which usually for me is an American flag. But again, like I said, I'm going off on a tangent. We'll, we're going to do a couple this 
summer of the Operator Podcast, and this is episode 52. So that's cool. You guys have uh, stuck with me. I appreciate that. Don't be afraid to tell your friends. This is the most fun you'll ever have in your life history. But, um, yeah, 52, here we are. And it was just the 4th of July. It was a couple days ago, as we know, uh, on Tuesday of this week, July 4th this year. (laughs) Um, And I didn't do one because I was on on a little bit of a vacation up near Cape Cod doing a little bit of golfing and stuff like that and trying to learn how to get a better swing. Great game. Uh, Very, very technical. And I've proven that if you, the more lessons you take, the worse you're going to get at first. But a lot of great golfers take lessons every day still from swing coaches. I don't know how that shit works. I just want to hit the damn ball and stop cursing so much. Uh, just enjoy, hopefully, some good weather, some great friends, and a cigar or two. But it was the 4th. Now it's Friday. So what do we got going on? The 4th was interesting because, like I was mentioning earlier, it always seems like politics gets into that. And the, the new thing, because there's always a thing. Especially with the uh, with the whiny ass leftists, there's always something that's going on that we can politicize. You would think the Fourth of July would be something where we could just be very very proud that we were born in this country. Um, that that right there was winning the lottery as someone who's been to many many countries around many many continents. I think I've been to every continent except Africa. Sorry, not Africa, uh, Antarctica. I've been to Africa many times. Uh, Antarctica, I meant to say, because I, I started to, I was thinking about conspiracy theorists and apparently that's where the, the flat earthers tell us where the, the world ends. There's that big ice shelf in the Antarctic and Ant, the Antarctic, Antarctica is where the ice shelf is. And that's where that's, I've never been there. I don't know. Actually, I know one dude who's been there, I think, but they always, one of their new arguments is why can't you just take a direct flight from the you know like the south of south america over antarctica and you can land in perth australia why don't they ever do that i guess you're not allowed to fly over antarctica and that right there opens up a whole new ball of cats there's um aliens down there and that's where the ice shelf is obviously and that's where you'd fall off the earth you can't fly over it because we would find all that stuff out but, um, yeah. yeah, the 4th of July, what I was saying is having someone who's been to many continents, many countries, what you're born with here is, I mean, winning the lottery would be incredible. I would love to win the lottery. I would love for someone who's poor and always says the rich needs to pay their fair share, win like $100 million in the lottery just to realize they're, you know, they're going to still get $40 million or $45 million, but the government's taking the rest because you're paying your fair share now. We'll get in. See, we can politicize anything. We just talked. We went from be, uh, um, winning the lottery actual to um, winning the lottery as, you know, hands in the air as quotes to, to saying equivalent to being in this country because whether you like it or not, there's a lot more opportunity in this country than there are in a lot of other countries. And you, you might notice if you look a little bit to the south in any direction, southward you'll notice a lot of people are coming into this place because it's a great country full of opportunity. And yes, there's bad stuff coming across the border. And yes, the cartels are doing a bunch of shit. This is not going to be a border episode, but a lot of people come here for opportunity. A lot of people who come here and work hard, and I know a lot of them, they succeed. And that's just what this country is. That's the, that's the difference. We don't need to necessarily... We'll talk a little bit about capitalism, communism, and socialism, and all the isms that we can, can always um, seem to make something up 
But lately, especially, well, now because the people running the show are the children of the children of the actual communists, and they were all taught this, because the communists are playing the long game, we're playing the short game. We, we have, uh, com- communists invented TikTok so we would stare at our phones you know, and not pay attention to the poison they're sending into our kids to keep us dumbed down, which is working. But um, a lot of these politicians now, especially on the left, well, especially on the left, are uh, they're like card-carrying communists. These are they, they they call it something different, like communists always do. They always say, "Well, it's not this is this is not socialism. This is uh, um, what's the what's the word they're calling something socialism? Uh, so, whatever doesn't matter because they're always saying that." Um, Socialism hasn't worked because it's never been tried right. It's been tried a lot, and it ends. Not again. It's not a cap, uh, socialism communist um, conversation today. But whatever you call it, um, democratic socialism or socialism or communism, it ends with a shitload of people dying, and I'm talking millions, and it happens every single time. But uh, we're not doing that. But the point I was making on that though, with looking at the borders and see who goes where, when they tore down the wall in East Germany and West Germany, which way did everyone run? Did the West Germans, the capitalists, run to the right to get into East Germany so they could be communists? No. People were... Which side of the wall had graffiti all over it and which didn't? That's kind of funny because the good guys with freedom had graffiti on theirs. The other guys, you can't touch it, they'll shoot you. Um, but um, this is this is a great country because of the opportunity. No one ever said you're you're guaranteed success. They just said you have the 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 right to you, the the pursuit of happiness, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And you can do that if you. First of all, here's great advice, and I'm not sure if I'm quoting the Declaration of Independence directly here, but. You can be a lot more successful if you stop being a whiny cunt. So uh, you, you can do a lot of things, but this is the 4th of July, and we, we, we celebrate the Deca- Declaration of Independence. We celebrate the founders, the founding also of the country, why it's important, the laws that were put in place, the Bill of Rights, uh, the Constitution, why it's there, why, what type of governments we need, why, and as the four founders, uh, the, uh, the, sorry, the founding fathers saw this, our forefathers... A lot of names for those are the founders, but um, the way that they saw it, even that far away, one, I mean, one of the things they said was the two-party system would probably kill us, and it is. You ever notice, Sue, getting right back into politics, we're talking about celebrating. You ever notice in politics, they say, well, you know, here's what we're doing, that's what they're doing. So, And they, they're saying them being the Republicans or the Republicans are saying them being the Democrats. <laughs> that that's who's that's who's playing the game here for the country. No, no, they're not talking about what's better for the country. Well, their party and our party, and we better with the party, and the parties always vote with the. So what we celebrate is the people who came up. I'm starting to talk fast. We're we're celebrating the the way this country was founded and why. And I'm not saying it was perfect, but if if you have you have an opportunity to have a great life here, that's the bottom line. So we should be celebrating the fact that we're here. We don't need to be looking back and talking about how horrible ho- horrible we were. Not even we. I, I wasn't there. You weren't there. <laughs> how horrible they were. Um, but just the celebration of your right to do what you can do here. Um, I talk about ice cream a lot. And there's a brand of ice cream that I really like, and it's called Ben & Jerry's. And I'm not sure if you've heard of them, <laughs> but they make delicious ice cream. 
with uh, a lot of funny names, a very creative, good ice cream. However, I mean, just the timing. And I don't know how they didn't notice that a lot of people that go too woke or too anti-American, they get crushed. But they sent out a tweet, and it said the United States was founded on stolen indigenous land. The fourth, This 4th of July, let's commit to returning it. So that's a simple tweet, and that takes you know a matter of seconds to type. Okay, let's commit to returning it stolen land. Fine. And I know a lot of people believe that today because uh, they were taught that, and you only know what you're taught. And a lot of these communists that are teaching schools or teaching kids that this is stolen land and we should give it back. Okay, let's say we did. What you going to do? We're going we're gonna to expatriate all of us to Europe? <laughs> I mean, we're growing here. Do you, you mean to tell me that – because I don't know if you know this. Every nation was conquered that way. Every nation was started that way. People conquer other people. You, you think that wasn't happening before you know, Christopher Columbus got here? There were there were there were Indian tribes fighting each other. There were Indians. Oh, I, I hate to break it to you. There were Indians, um, Indian tribes who uh, ha- had slaves from other tribes. Oh yeah, they did that. They, they they would they would steal the women and children, sex slaves, and, and then the, the, some of the children actually grew up to be warriors for them. And they had they would hold they would have slaves. Um, then, then, but you mean to tell me that if Christopher Columbus didn't come over, or, or again, another conspiracy theory, whoever got here first, which, which I buy, that's fine. We just, you know, we just, I mean, there's other places named for other people. We just, I guess, like Columbus. I only know that because guess what? That was taught to me. But I'm just saying, if 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 this country wasn't d- discovered by Europeans or Vikings, whoever did it, you mean to tell me it never would have been discovered? There never would have been a war. But anyway. They want us to return it to the um, to the indigenous people. Did you know I'm Ben and Jerry's factory is in Waterbury, Vermont, and I wonder if the board of directors there are going to vote to turn that property over because I'm sure there were Native Americans there on that land before they did it. Um, I want. Do you think they'll do that? They should lead by example. You know what? Did you so the two so Ben and Jerry? It's, it's they sold the company. They're still a part of it, uh, not necessarily on the board, but they're still part of the company. So you know that the the, the tweets that go out, they they are aware of the tweets, and it and it is part of their um, that's part of their thing. When they when they sold their company, they put somewhere in the contract or somewhere in the agreement that uh, critical global economic and social missions will still be a part of Ben and Jerry's. And I mean, it's fucking ice cream. I love it, but it's good. I'm I'm thinking of you know a lot of people are boycotting it now. They they are um they're so anti-capitalist. They they weren't one time in in 2000 when they sold Ben and Jerry's for 326 million dollars. So they were capitalists as fuck then. That's talk about the land of opportunity. Talk about the opportunistic land that I stole from indigenous people, but I happened to make a couple hundred million on. Yeah, you know what they should do? We should take half of that, just almost half. Let's $150 million of what Ben and Jerry sold under a great capitalist system, and I will personally take it to Montana, my home state, where I know there are reservations, and I bet I could give that out by hand, $150 million in cash in one day. They, they'd take it. That's pretty good for giving back stolen. I bet they'd accept that. Say, fuck it. <laughs> You're good. We good. So and but what they did so when they sold it this is actually interesting too, so they sold 
this to um, Unilever. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Unilever, an Anglo-Dutch. Um, uh, it's a multinational firm. It might be in London, but they sold it to them, and then they Ben and Jerry's. The originals got pissed because they were selling Ben and Jerry's ice cream in uh, Occu. Well, they're not going to call it Israel. They're going to call it the occupied. Palestinian territories. So this new company is actually selling that over there, but they don't want them to because even though they can't do anything because they did sell the company to this thing, but Ben and Jerry were saying, well, that selling it to um, to Jews in in Israel in occupied the, the occupied West Bank is not up against our our morals or whatever. But someone's still getting paid, and on the other end of that capitalism, someone is getting some delicious ice cream. What they're doing, see, the way it works is in, in a capitalist society is you take this legal tender that you got from a job that you do, hopefully, or from your parents who got it from a job that they do, and then you take that legal tender and you hand it to someone that sells something like, I don't know, ice cream, and then they get paid and they give you ice cream. It's sort of a trade-off, and they might get some change so you have more money and ice cream because capitalism. But yeah, they're getting shit over that because uh, they're selling it in Israel. Again, we're just getting political. They also, so, since we're, since we're just getting political about everything, this company... Unilever, I hope I'm saying it right. So they're selling, um, they're selling ice cream in Russia. Okay, I don't have a problem with the Russian people. I don't have a problem with anybody getting ice cream. I mean, fuck it. If it wasn't so hot, we could airdrop some to ISIS, and there might be world peace. Maybe ice cream is the way. Maybe Ben and Jerry's is onto something, but they're not. So they are selling it in Moscow, which is. Cold, I guess. I don't. I guess it's it's cold. But they uh, because they're selling so much there. So Unilever subsidiaries paid three hundred thirty-one million dollars in taxes to the Kremlin. So what? Do, <laughs> what is the Kremlin up to? What's Russia do? They're all. That also means they're also. Um, they're helping to fund the Wagner Group. And we haven't quite decided if it's Wagner or Wagner. Even some Germans are getting pissed that we're saying Wagner like the uh, the, uh, the composer and not Wagner like, well, like Wagner, like your buddy down the corner, John Wagner, that has a miter saw you might need to borrow. But you're funding a war in Ukraine. So six and one, half a dozen the other. I guess eventually the money that you trade for ice cream is going to end up in the hands of killers. But that's what's happening there. Uh, it's really fascinating to think, though, because a lot of the money getting pumped into the Kremlin by ice cream makers that hate the United States. And, you know, people that, that tend to hate capitalists have the Ukrainian flag in their bio. So these guys, I haven't looked. Check, see if some of these dudes have that. So they have the Ukrainian flag, but they're funding the Russians to kill Ukrainian <laughs> civilians. See how we can just, we can, I mean, and I'm not saying I'm spinning. I'm just saying we can spin pretty much anything. You're on one side, but you're funding the other. That's kind of how a lot of life works. But um, that's that. So uh, more, so more happy Fourth of July news. Uh, th- there was a, a, another another WNBA player who hates the United States. Brittany Griner did that for a while. Would well, I wouldn't say she hated the United States, but she. I'm not trying to get in her head. I don't know what it was. Um, she, but she obviously went to uh, I, not necessarily a gulag, but a, a prison in Russia. Now she's kind of changed her tune a little bit. And, the re- and 
I'm not. That's a hard. That's hard time. I don't give a shit what you say about anybody. That's tough. That's hard. She's back. She's kind of changed her tune. I'm good with that. But uh, she's changed it. But now uh, there's a woman named uh, Natasha Cloud, and she plays for the Washington Mystics. You know what I love about that? Washington Mystics, Natasha Cloud. You could, like, change some of those around. You could call them the Washington Cloud, and that's Natasha Mystics. And no one would fucking notice because nobody watches the WNBA. But um, she apparently is, I mean, and again, I played basketball a little bit, and she could probably beat me. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm not. She. I don't give a shit who you are because we give um, pro athletes a lot of shit for, especially the patriotic thing, because they do sort of live in a bubble and they don't realize how good they actually have it, but they do bust their asses. I don't care who you are. If you're a pro athlete, you're busting your ass. Good on you. That's great, especially at the pro level. But she said, she called the USA something like USA's trash. And that had to do with uh, the, the, the Supreme Court. If you haven't noticed and you want me to get into it, I will. Uh, they did something last week where it, one of it had to do with affirmative action because. Like anything, like it started off with the best intentions, and it, I think it turned into something that isn't necessary anymore. It started off as giving minorities who wouldn't have a shot at college a, a better opportunity, which is great. And eventually it just kind of grew out of it. As far as I know, dude, I am from Butte, Montana. I'm not from uh, the, the the streets, so I know damn well that people in Chicago grew up different than me. People in Long Island grew up different than me. People in, in L.A. grew up different than me. I'm just saying what I'm looking at now from the outside, and however... I don't care what part of the country you're in. Here's another great thing about this country. You could always do what I did, and you can just join the military if you're not a fatas, which is the French way to say fat ass. But that's another one too. I'm going to get into some military recruiting. But you know, if you're not a, if you're not a, uh, if 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 what the safe spaces and blue ribbons uh, hasn't taught you does catch up to you, and you realize you can't even pass a basic fitness test, and you have osteoporosis because you play too much. Uh, Xbox or look at your phone too much, you can join the military anytime. And especially in this day and age, because recruiters will take you. They need to well the Marine Corps is good. They 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 always meet their goals, which I think is great. We will get into that as well. But she said uh, Natasha Cloud watched in Mystics. And again, I'm making light of uh there there's some there's some athletes there. It now let's but again, I do get irritated when they say, you know, equal pay for equal play. You know damn well the NBA is subsidizing the WNBA. The WNBA hasn't made a profit, and they still get their panties in a bunch. Even even when um, even when uh, Brittany Griner came back from from Russian prison, the coach for her team was bitching that why isn't this place full? Why isn't everyone here? Why why isn't people on their feet cheering? For, well, you know, other than a tweet of celebration, no one really cares. So. She was mad about affirmative action, and Natasha Cloud is a she's a she's a black female and she's a lesbian, so she's got a uh, you know she might have more bones to pick than I do, but that's just me. I celebrated the fourth fourth I celebrated the Fourth of July by eating um, eating a lot of sweets. We had a a kick ass. Uh, I had a burger and a hot dog uh, and some steaks from Moink. I'll talk about Moink later. M O I N K Moink. Fourth of July, though, I ate a bunch, drank a little, had some beer, played some golf, wore some patriotic shit, and uh, I probably said the Pledge of Allegiance. I watched. Um, I was I was watching the fireworks, uh, the night of the Fourth of July, and I was I actually and I tweeted out something at Fox News. I said that something along the lines of, "Wow, they're 
overly patriotic tonight because they were just showing everything. And I'm, I'm keep in mind, I'm tongue in cheek with a lot of stuff that I say. Re- reading a tweet and then listening to me is a lot different. But I said, "Wow, you're overly patriotic tonight." It's almost like you're trying to make us forget that you were in on the steal of Arizona for Biden, which, eh. <laughs> um, but I mean, you know, the point I'm making again is that some of us. As far as like the WNBA and different people, different ice cream, different stuff, we we do we do come from different, and not even just different places, like a melting pot, like this country is supposed to be, uh, or it actually is, but like just different parts of the country. There, uh, trust me, people from uh, West Virginia are a lot different than than people from Southern Florida. But it should be it should be one of those things where we're able to talk about that diver. What about that diversity? Because the, the you know the whole thing is diversity is our strength. Not if not if we stay divided. Not if we keep dividing ourselves or letting the government and the media try to divide us into, into different groups. That that you ever heard divide and conquer? W- open your eyes. It's it's just American. I'm good with that. I'm not a Montanan American. <laughs> you know, I'm not an Irish American. I love to go to Ireland in the, you know, during the one week they have this nice in golf. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm actually looking at a trip there. So anyone in Ireland that's listening, don't. Uh, don't hate me. I'm just kidding. But, I mean, the diversity would be nice as opposed to saying, well, you can't understand that because you've never lived this. It's like, yeah, didn't tell me. Uh, okay, well, we didn't – and also we didn't live during the 1800s, but maybe we should learn about it instead of burning books. So, yeah, so 4th of July, we – we. <laughs> I am going to jump around a little bit, I guess, today. <clears throat> but I, I did mention how uh, the <clears throat> Arizona was – pretty much handed to biden way too early and and arizona's just becoming a it's like a testing ground to see how far the democrats can go and you know what i mean it's like i didn't say it but you know (laughs) even if you you know uh but yeah joe biden won (laughs) did you notice and uh everything changes because with especially if you're a partisan it's going to go back and forth really i mean there's there's people behind the scenes that are doing a lot of shows, but but what made news uh, made this week, and I don't know if you noticed it, but they found cocaine in the White House, and they found it on I want to say July second, which was a Sunday, and the first family was. Let me give you a little background on the first family. There's a guy. Uh, in the first family, he's, he's the first son now, but his name is Hunter Biden, and he he basically lives in the White House when he's not crashing on Air Force One. Uh, but it's the <laughs> a lot of presidents and first families have lived in the White House. No one has found cocaine that we know about, but they found this, and they couldn't even quite decide. Um, where it came from, or where it was. Now, okay, they definitely can't. They don't know where it came from. Well, they couldn't decide on where it was because at first it was somewhere, and then it was a library, and then it was in a little cubby hole, and then it was somewhere else, and they couldn't quite look. It's not fucking hard to say where'd you find it exactly. Someone exact. A lot of people know exactly where it was. Where'd you find it exactly? Well, it could and they're they're gonna come around maybe, but they also might do the shit they did with the submarine, 
put the put the shiny object in front of everyone's face until whatever they're don't want you looking at is over, and then they you forget about it. But um, anyway, back to these. So they they couldn't quite say where they found it, and they they're not they did test it. It is cocaine for sure. And they didn't really tell us how much it was, but I don't know if you know, like there, there are differences in how much you got. Like how many donuts did you bring? A baker's dozen. Okay, that's a good amount. What's the status on those Nigerian nose nachos? <laughs> I screwed that up. There's so many. How much blow did you bring? And they showed, I did, whatever. They wouldn't tell us how much uh, blow they brought. Or how much blow they found or where they found it. So these Nigerian nose nachos are everywhere. You know what else is everywhere? Um, cameras. Because this is in the White House. That's where the first family lives. That's usually where the the, fir- the president and the first lady live. But a lot of people, I, who knows who's rolling up in there. And I know the pre- presidents before have uh, have doled, you know, doled out the Lincoln bedroom for a hefty uh, either you line my pockets or, or hit up my super PAC or you can my foundation or whatever my campaign you can sleep in the so anyway there's cameras everywhere i've been to the white house quite a few times and there's a you know there's obviously a bunch of different entrances and exits to this place and that's important to why they actually started to have they needed to say where it came from because at first you remember it was well it's a high traffic area where a lot of people are running around and coming through and i don't, if, I don't know if you know if you've been in the white house there's not a lot of people running around but they tried to say it was in the entrance where the people were coming in and that's generally the east wing that's where the tours generally start. Uh, you can go through the West Wing, but that is where the Situation Room is. You can get to the Oval Office from there and get right right into the uh, the Vice President works there. All like the Chief Staffs in there. Uh, the high end staffers are in there. The National Security Council meets in the Situation Room, which is in the West Wing. But they found it somewhere near the West Wing, and they tried to first say that it was like in. And there's, there's a cubby when you go through. When you go through the White House and you get to a certain area after checkpoints, there's cubbies where you put your electronics into and close it so that you can't bring in anything like some of that Chinese spyware that you have on your phone so that they can listen in. Not that they don't know most of the stuff we're saying anyway, but they at first tried to say that's where they found the, the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the blow in one of these cubbies. Uh, <laughs> they, look, you're not you got to have some balls to try to sneak nose beers into the White House. Like, you're not just going to kind of, this is my first time here, and I know I put my phone in here. Let me just quick slide this in there and give it a little hoo-yah. Uh, you're not doing it. And second, they're going to find you. And you realize what's, well, it's never happened before. But uh, what's, What would happen to you if you got caught with cocaine in the White House? Probably be pretty bad. They get mad about a lot of stuff. But there's cameras everywhere. Have you ever been in like a 7-Eleven, a Wawa, a, a town pump, a gas station? You ever see all the cameras? Yeah, that's in a gas station. This is the most secure house in the in the world. The president, the, 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 most, pro, the most powerful man in the world lives there. And there's secret service everywhere. And there's guards everywhere. And there's cameras everywhere. And not these shitty cameras. I'm talking cameras. They know if, if it was anyone... That we didn't suspect, and you notice I'm not naming names. I just said I said there's a guy in the family. If it was anyone else, they would have burned him easily because they don't want us to think it's Hunter Biden. They don't need more dirt attached to the first family because of this ass clown. I went to the White House one time to have have dinner with uh, Donald Trump when he was the president, so we called him President Trump at the time. Uh, and I got stuck on the uh, one of the first entries into the, the, the West Wing entrance. 
by the Secret Service because, and President Trump actually told me later he thought that they did this on purpose because everything is a conspiracy. <laughs> like the, the, the Secret Service and a lot of those people are all left-wing nuts and they're out to get people, which I don't know. Again, some of the shit that's going on, I would believe anything. And I'm not picking sides. I'm an, I'm an independent American. I'm just telling you what, what I see. Anyway, he's convinced that someone screwed up my my one digit, my social security number. You need your social security number to get in there, right? And then that has to be in advance so they can do a background check on you getting in into the White House. Uh, and I brought my, my SSN. I didn't bring a bag of cocaine. But I had to wait out there, and they were trying to clear it up. And they knew who I was, too. I knew these dudes. Uh, they had to wait another – the president of the United States had to wait for me and uh, Jessica to get through security. He had to wait for us for dinner. And that's – you know, you don't – I don't know if you know anything about a CEO, a boss, a commanding officer. They don't wait on you for dinner. They're not at the White House, but they did, and he kind of made a joke about it. But it's, the point I'm getting at is it's pretty secure. That's This is this is bad. Um. Well, I mean, what if what, it, it, let's assume it was a, a tourist that got screened, and it's so simple to counterfeit stuff. You can you can basically get in there. Apparently, I mean, this we're talking either this is something big. Okay, even if it is a staffer, why why aren't they why aren't they piss testing everyone? Seems pretty logical. These are government employees, right? Piss test them. They pop, boom. If they caught someone else, it would be. Imagine speaking of President Trump. Imagine if so anyone, it, it, not even anyone, was suspected, because no one, as far as I know, in his family left a laptop full of crimes and drugs and hookers uh, behind. <laughs> but imagine if they even found a bag of cocaine when President Trump was in in office. How long would it take for the Democrats to be start start the impeachment process? And now it's not, now they're laughing it off. I mean. Well, you should almost because it's so ridiculous. But in order to get it in there, it's either a high-level staffer because everyone gets checked. In order to get into the White House without going through um, a lot of these tests or driving in, basically you need to be a high-level staffer, a high-level cabinet member, um, senior staffer. Um, we're talking chiefs of staff or family. Then you got to figure who's got. Then you got to figure who does cocaine. Then you got to figure of all those who do cocaine, who's got the balls to bring it into the White House? Ah. Anyway, they found it, and you notice that they found it, and they well, when they told us they found it, the first family wasn't there. It's kind of like, oh no, no, wasn't there. We they weren't there. Okay, <laughs> they weren't there like twenty four hours before. That's almost like uh, learning how to lie. Drago taught me this. If when you're learning how to lie, you can get caught with your hand in the cookie jar, and someone could say. Hey, you're stealing my cookies. No, I'm not stealing your cookies. But I see your hand in the cookie jar. This is not my hand. So, I mean, you know, the, uh, there's not a lot of truth. Come and even even the the press secretary won't, won't say anything. You ever notice that the whole thing is, well, we've addressed this, and we'll hand that off to the Secret Service. They can talk about it. Well, we don't want to talk about formalities. It's not a formality. It's fucking cocaine in the White House. Piss test the staffers. You know what you should do is piss test Hunter because didn't, isn't he getting a sweet plea deal? See, if, I mean, I'm not sure how long cocaine stays in your system. I really don't. I'm not even being funny here. But I know they got to the point after I left the Navy where they're testing hair follicles because it only lasted a couple of days in your urine. And they're really – I mean, they're t testing America's tier one soldiers here. And you got a crackhead first son, not a, not even a – no, like no one on the left is even looking at him. Well, I mean, I don't know. It might have been. 
Could have been the hamburger stealing all the hamburgers. <laughs> Whatever. But so it's either they're covering it up or complete incompetence by the Secret Service. You mean to tell me you couldn't find cocaine coming in there? Because that's what they're going to say. You mean to tell me that the these these, these high-end, top-of-the-line cameras that we have for security in the White House malfunctioned? Like they did outside Ep- Epstein's cell? <laughs> but, okay, so you're inept, you're incompetent. Is that, is that what you want to say? Or you're in on it. It's It's one or the other. This is a roaring lapse in security. If you could be someone that brings a, a, a bag of powder into the White House, in the West Wing, past the Situation Room, the anthrax was a white powder, remember? What could you uh, think about the fentanyl? Just popping that off somewhere. That's supposed to be able to kill you with a with a pinneal size. But, you know, huh? just try to blow it off. What, what else will they come up with? To, how long is this story going to last? <laughs> but, you know, Hunter's there. It's... it's um, well, I'm sure we'll we'll bring him up later because his family values they practice uh, they don't quite practice what they preach and it's just again we're political now we're I mean we started off talking about embracing the flag now we're on we're basically talking about hookers and cocaine but Fourth of July was good there's all kinds of exciting stuff to talk about to reminisce and do please seriously hit me up at um, at Mikuya on either Twitter or Instagram, or find me on Facebook. Or there's a new one. What's that one they just came up with? Uh, I think Meta came up with one. I just signed into it. I'm, gonna, actually, I'm actually going to look because it's not, there's a Threads? I think it's called that. Yeah, Threads. I'm on that too, at Makuya. I guess they just kind of link your Instagram account to send you into something that looks a lot like Twitter. So you know between uh, Zuck and Musk... It's going to be a lawsuit and apparently a cage match. So that's going to be exciting. It's so nice that as someone who talks to you through a camera, but I'm basically in a room alone, it's so nice that people are going out of their way to give us stuff that we can we can talk about and then you can you can respond to me. Tell me if I'm right or wrong because, like I always said too, if if I'm wrong, tell me. I'll admit it. I'm I'm, I'm not I'm not one of those people that that's out there and screaming and shouting in one side. You're never going to talk those people into into your side anyway, so there's no problem. But 4th of July is a blast. We had fun. Cape Cod. We I got to hang out with some relatives, and we barbecued a ton, and I've brought it up before. Best bacon in the world. Best steaks you're going to have. I get my meat from Moink. I've mentioned them. Uh, M-O-I-N-K. Moo plus Oink. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a subscription box company. I get them delivered all the time, and I absolutely love them. And I love knowing where my meat comes from. And Moink comes from small family farms all across the country. And the, far- the family farm is what feeds us. Rural America feeds the rest of the country. And I've mentioned that if you control the food, which a lot of bad people are trying to do, the point I'm getting at is you can help save the family farm and get the highest quality meat. I love the stuff. And uh, you should join the Moink movement today because it delivers grass-fed, grass-finished beef and lamb pastured pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon right to your door. You get it in a box. Moink farmers, they farm like our grandparents did. As a result, moink meat tastes like it should because the family farm does it better. The moink difference is a difference you can taste, and you can feel good knowing you're helping the family farm stay financially independent too. And you choose what's being delivered. I get on there. I change mine every month. Switch it up. Um, Ribeyes, the fillets, uh, chicken breasts, Pork chops, get extra bacon. Even if we're going to give you extra bacon, get extra bacon. Uh, sh- um, 
Shark Tank hoster Kevin O'Leary called Moink's bacon the best bacon he's ever tasted. I call it the best bacon I've ever tasted. Ring doorbell founder Jamie Simonoff jumped at the chance. He invested in Moink. And um, I seriously love it. I know you will too. So keep American farming going by signing up at moinkbox.com slash the operator right now. And listeners of the show will get free ground beef for a year if you do that today. It's one of the best ground beef you'll ever taste, but it's for a limited time. So that's moinkbox.com slash the operator. M-O-I-N-K box.com slash the operator. That's moinkbox.com slash the operator. Go check it out. Go sign up. You will not regret it. I promise the bacon. So yeah, but that's that's uh, hanging out with family in the long weekend. Hanging out with family, you know what I got to see a lot of it. A little blast from the past was uh, hanging out with babies. So I need to bring up my friends at Tactical Baby because even though war has rules, politics don't, and neither do babies. Dirty diapers, screaming fits, and sleepless nights. Parenthood is not for the faint of heart. I know that. But Tactical Baby Gear was founded by parents for parents with kit that you'll be proud to carry, and I'm not even joking. You'll overcome every spit-up, blowout, and meltdown along the way at tacticalbabygear.com. I'm actually looking at the website right now, and there's all kinds of great deals. The Black Camel products are just awesome. All kinds of packs here. The stroller set, obviously, with these uh, wagon wheels and drink carriers. But the wagon wheels, like you can take them off-road and all this stuff if you want to. Check out uh, tacticalbabygear.com. I was looking at one there today. It's, it's a Day Pack 3.0 plus baby carrier bundle. So we're saying tactical backpack diaper bag, tactical baby carrier, built-in changing mat, wipes pouch, dump pouch, stroller straps, daddy and mommy patches. So like you got the baby on the front and the stuff in the back and on the pack, like you have the cool hook and pile tape or Velcro for all you people that believe in uh, UFOs and you either put mommy or daddy. I think that's cool. The beard, hey, normally a dead giveaway, but now nowadays you never know. But um, limited or a lifetime warranty, no unlimited warranty on these lifetime so check, check them all out. Um, highly practical, highly functional, extremely high quality, always ready. Baby carrier strollers, wagons, everything in between. Like I said, lifetime warranty. Go to tacticalbabygear.com. Use code the operator, and you can save 15%. So that's uh, tacticalbabygear.com. Very cool stuff. Totally, It's worth perusing the thing, even for gifts for someone else. It's so, so very cool. Uh, tacticalbabygear.com. Check out the discounts. God guns and diapers, baby. But I think we might have had just a, a, enough about that for today as far as the White House and the comings and goings of certain family members and whatnot. And say what you will. I am curious to see if, as far as the the thing with the White House, how it's it just how they say, well, we just may never know what happened. Well, you could know, but you're not going to. And it's going to be a shame if someone has to take the fall for someone else if they did. No one's going to be held responsible because no one is ever held responsible. There's no repercussions, but that's neither here nor there. But what I do want to talk about, because everything seems to get political at a certain level, in government especially, and obviously with the media, but um, the, the politics that get involved, and it always seems to come back to one side or the other. And you're never going to convince the other side that you're right, and they're never going to convince you that they're right because there seems to be no debate. But the big one that always comes up is the woke thing. And that is having a major effect 
on pretty much everything that it touches. Bud Light got crushed. Target's getting hit. Uh, there's other companies that are that are taking heavies. We mentioned Ben and Jerry's. They lost a few billion just because of the tweet on Fourth uh, of July. I'm, I'm just to bring them up too one more time because I, I do eat Ben and Jerry's. I'm, I'm not calling for a boycott. I wouldn't do that. I don't believe in that. I'm a I'm a capitalist. I don't let. I I enjoy Ben and Jerry's. I don't care about politics. So if I like something, I'm just going to buy it. But I am going to go. I'm going to try to go to year. Just try and Hagen Dazs. Everyone's saying that's a better one anyway. Well, I I need to find their version of Chunky Monkey. But the woke thing, what it's also affecting, and I do want to touch on this, and it's a serious note, is uh, our military. And we've talked about that before. Digital ambassadors, drag shows on different Air Force bases everywhere from Nevada over to Germany. But they're catching up. Secretary Austin didn't want to talk about it. General Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, who I always want to bring up, it seems like, um, he, he didn't – he wanted to – say that he wanted to understand it more and he got some of the literature and all that stuff and I'm not I'm still not buying that too but I do I do see places where a lot of not junior officers but officers underneath the highest ranking officer in the military might not tell him exactly the truth about some stuff but there is accountability at some point the buck must stop somewhere someone's got to be responsible for something but what I'm getting at is this is having a big effect on recruitment for our military and I do say a lot of stuff about different contracts the different contractors get and the military industrial complex and why we continue to have either wars or threats of war to keep building it up which we need because when we have a strong united states we have a strong coalition that uh, is a good thing and the world's better but right now we're not that strong and a lot of the reasons is because some of the arguments that we're having amongst ourselves everywhere from the military down to the schools and other countries are watching us uh, china's watching us and the woke thing's not working in the military either, and I don't understand why it needs to be pushed. And the agenda is pushed, but most of the people in the military don't like some of this BS training that they're getting because it doesn't matter. And a lot of people realize that individualism in the military is not a good thing. That's the, re- the reason they have a, the word uniform is because we are in uniform. The reason we look the same is because it's one team and it's not an individual. And, and if you start dividing the military, which they're doing, um, that's bad because it needs to be a uniform force for, for, for good, if you will. And, you know, you could say whatever is good or bad, but I know when the, the uh, United States flag is flying somewhere, the American flag is flying somewhere, it's, it, you know, it's going to be a safer place than if it wasn't. But now we're having a trouble, having trouble with recruitment. And that's some of it's because of the woke stuff. Some of it, and, and the woke stuff is not just digital ambassadors. It's, Everything from how can we make the ships in the Navy greener, which they're green because they use nuclear, which is, which is emission-free, which is great. And we should be using more nuclear, but we won't because now we maybe we can go back to the 16th century where we're basically flying kites across the water, which is stupid. But it's, it's affecting people that they don't want to go in and put up with this crap. The, the military is saying that retention is higher than it's ever been, which I don't buy because I know a lot of people that got out, a lot of Navy SEALs that got out, not because of bad leadership at the leadership level, but the, at the senior leadership level where flag officers and very high-ranking enlisted guys are thinking about their next job, so they're doing the political part, which is bad. We don't need to get politics into – doesn't the military – doesn't really need to be with diplomacy. That's a State Department. We're just the fist at the end 
of the diplomacy, and if we need it, we should go in and break it and uh, leave. And that's that's how it should be. But they're having a, a problem. Being woke is a lot of it. And it would suck that if we had to end up like Russia and conscript, which is a, a conscript is basically being drafted into the military. And I don't think we're at a place where we can be doing that with a lot of our young people because the, the word that I got is about 77% of eligible aged people for the military can't even pass the minimum requirements to join the military. And last fall, there was a 25% drop in recruitment. Everyone except the Marine Corps made their goals in recruiting, but Army, Navy, and Air Force did not. So what the Army has done, and I kind of like this. Tell me what you think. They're trying to think outside of the box. I mentioned osteoporosis. That's one of the problems with military-age people these days because of the way they stare at their phones all day and their necks are bad and they haven't done a lot of physical activity in their lives. And this could be, uh, is, this, is this a result of saying toxic masculinity that men are bad and you don't need to go out and work out because we're all trying to feminize ourselves, which is a bad idea? You do you, but as far as the military goes, we don't need that because when we do need people to go fight, you're going to want those aged people to fight. But what the Army has done is they came up with a boot camp prep because there are a lot of people that want to join the military, but they can't because of lack of the ability to to PT, if you will, physical training in the military. So they started a prep place in Fort Jackson, South Carolina, where this is where people that wanted to join can go, but they didn't they couldn't make it physically. So they, it's like a prep course where they teach you how to work out, teach you how to stretch, teach you nutrition, teach you the basic skills to pass the uh, written test to get in. The ASVAB is what they call it, which is a basic course with math and reading and shit like that. It's not hard. And the ASVAB is you know what we call it, can tell you, them where you can go because there's a lot of different jobs in the in the military. But I think it's a good idea. Send, send these people somewhere. You're still getting up before dawn, and you are still working out, and you're learning how to do stuff. They're trying to get new – and little stuff. Like when I went to boot camp, people didn't know how to march. So teaching people how to walk in step without looking at their phone, check both ways, learn how to sing. Um, but the ASVAB thing uh, hit me because people didn't know their basic stuff, and they're, they're blaming the COVID thing because – they're at home. This is a generation that was at home for a lot of their high school years, and they're saying they're working online, but that's just to look at the thing or and either cheat or just click, 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 classes over. But we're coming up on the 50th anniversary of the all-volunteer military, and I hope it stays that way because that's the way it needs to be because I've seen morale be pretty bad when people want to be there. But imagine having some of these people that need a safe space or a, or a service dog. But, hey, by the way, we're going to send you to the front lines when we're fighting China and Taiwan. Crazy stuff like that. But they were the Army's goal was 65000 last year, and they were 15000 short, and that's going to add up. But I think the prep course is a good idea. I don't think you should be lowering the standards. That's not the answer. But, I mean, that is the answer nowadays with anything. If... If, you, if we can't meet the standards, just lower the standards. And that's a very, very dangerous precedent to set. The standards are there for a reason. And even if there are the lowest standards, you should go a little bit higher than that. And you should be able to do the basic test just as a just to call yourself a, a male. Be able to do the basic test to get into the military. But 
Yeah, the, the recruiting thing's bad, but I think this is good. They're thinking outside the box, reteaching people how to do stuff, and that there's nothing wrong with that, learning how to do the things that they need you to do. Learning how to do some push-ups and pull-ups is not a bad thing anyway. That just gets your gets everything going in the morning. But watch out for this a lot of this woke stuff because it's it, even though it's one of those things where even though we all know the truth, we're supposed to tell each other lies because that's the way it goes, and we'll get screamed at, and someone will throw a fit. But the truth is, you know, the chickens come home to roost, if that's the saying. And I just, I, I hate to see it happen, but it, it could be. So the point of that whole soliloquy is do pull-ups. If you're bored today, do some pull-ups. Now I want to address something a little more serious. If you have been watching this on YouTube, you'll notice I'm wearing a St. Bonaventure shirt for St. Bonaventure University, which is in St. Bonaventure, New York, which is on the west part of New York. New York's a bigger state than you realize. Sometimes, if, if like if you're driving from Manhattan up to Syracuse, <laughs> you, you actually have to go through a different state. I remember Jessica and I were driving when we lived in Manhattan from there to a wedding in Syracuse, and she was driving, and I was taking a little snooze in the passenger seat and i remember waking up to her saying out loud pennsylvania <laughs> which means you have to cross pennsylvania to get to part of new york and that's the way it works it's a big state though and st bonaventure is on near lake erie which is a great big lake it's it's so big it's obviously near there it's near erie pennsylvania and it goes down to cleveland huge lake one of the great lakes and then if you keep going to the uh, up and to your right, if you're looking at the either the flat map and the flat globe, sorry, the flat map, the flat earth, or the globe, you'll you see Lake Ontario, bigger ones over there, and they go over to uh, the flyover states because <laughs> we we all know the <laughs> the deal with those. If you come from New York, all you know is New York, L.A., Florida, and then there the rest is the Midwest, I guess. I've had people from New York ask me if I, I said I'm from Montana. They're like, oh, the Midwest. I'm like, pretty fucking far from it, but thanks for noticing. But I'm wearing this because I went to a golf event. I love coming to New York. I love going to New York because that's the only place where they never forget. They never forget what happened on September 11th, 2001. And it's very important to remember that day every day because that's one of those times where it can get, it gets bad and it gets really bad and things in life can get bad really quickly. I'm not trying to be... Um, Debbie Downer over here, but it, again, we talk about preparation, and this is this is some stuff that happens out there. There, there are people that, that just because you don't know about them or like them or are at war with them doesn't mean that they're not at war with you. But I went to I, – I met a friend of mine named John Darcy, and he went to St. Bonaventure, but then he became a New York firefighter on about – I think it's 100, 100 Street in New York, Ladder 22. And the reason he went from going to – school to being a firefighter is because they lost he lost one of his classmates and dear friends um rob peraza on 9-11 and that's why john uh joined the the to become a firefighter because it's that's a lot of people were were on their path to do something else on 9-11 and that changed your path and, and some stuff that can happen in one day can change the entire trajectory of your life but he i met him on a whim it's how you meet anyone i, I think i met him either I met him in a store in sort of a strip mall near where this golf course is in Yonkers, <laughs> New York. This is years back. And I, I, I always, whenever I can say Yonkers, I pause and think about how awesome it is to say Yonkers. What a great 
What a great name for a city. But I ran into him, and he asked me if I was ever in the area they have an event at Dunwoody Golf Course, again in Yonkers, and it's called the Gringo Open. Now, when he said we're, we're, they're having the Gringo Open, my initial reaction was obviously, I had, I, I'm obviously going to that. I don't know why. Uh, I don't even know why you call it that, but I'm going to go to that. I did go to that, and it turns out um, John Darcy's friend Rob Peraza, who was a great rugby player at St. Bonaventure, uh, when he graduated, he went to work for Cantor Fitzgerald. Uh, and one of their offices was on the North Tower of the World Trade Center, and it got hit. The first, the first place to get hit on 9-11 was the North Tower. Uh, that was Flight 11, American Airlines Flight 11, that crashed into the North Tower at 8.46 a.m. on September 11, 2001. And when that plane hit, it hit the 93rd to the 99th floor and nobody above that impact zone on the North Tower survived. And Cantor Fitzgerald was, was completely wiped out. They had, uh, they had offices up and down. So the plane hit uh, 93rd to the 99th and also parts of the 92nd didn't survive because the stairs crumbled after the plane hit. And some of the offices... They they didn't die right away in Canterfish Jail, but the majority of their company was wiped out. They had offices on the 103rd, 101st, 103rd, 104th, 105th floors in the North Tower. They, that wasn't the only place Cantor had offices. They had offices in London and in, in Los Angeles. And on 9-11, they were, someone from the Los Angeles office, and it's still obviously three hours behind New York, they were able to get a call through from the L.A. offices over to the New York offices one call got through and they could talk to survivors of the impact. No one survived that was above the impact, and that's Cantor Fitzgerald. They lost pretty much everybody. There's a thousand people that worked there. Uh, and the call, because when LA got through, <coughs> they put it on speaker, I guess. And the people in Los Angeles could hear it. And, the, and the, I'm reading a quote here it said, Somebody's got to help us. We can't get out. The place is filling with smoke. And they didn't know who that was, but someone in the New York is. Uh, New York office said that, and shortly after that, the connection was cut off. And uh, they didn't hear from them again. And they ended up losing. Even at that point, the L.A. office started talking to the London office, and they're evacuating everybody because they think a plane hit. They don't know what happened. They don't know if they're getting attacked or it's the America getting attacked. But uh, they ended up losing 658 employees. And um, Rob Peraza was one of them. And I'm wearing uh, the Bonnie's shirts because of uh rob peraza i got that at the event i played at the the gringo open which was named after rob peraza's father uh the gringo was was uh rob peraza's father's nickname because he came from cuba and i guess he just absolutely loved it uh but he he died on on um 104th floor counterfeit jail the 9-11 so they do the gringo open in honor of rob peraza who was a rugby player at saint bonaventure and I went there and played, and we had an awesome time. But uh, just, you know, it, it, New York never forgets, and it always, for me, it comes back to 9-11. I'll run into someone that was affected by it. And it's important to remember those flights. So that was that was uh, American Airlines Flight 11 that hit the North Tower. There was a, American Airlines Flight 77, United Airlines Flight 175, and United Airlines Flight 93. And that's United United. 93 is the famous one because they fought back and crashed in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, which is right over here too, which which when you get to this part of the of the country, 
you notice that those places are always mentioned and they, they don't forget. But also, this hit me because if you, if you look at the four flights on 9-11, even you conspiracy theorists out there, it was American Airlines, American Airlines, United Airlines, United Airlines, and, and Al-Qaeda did that. They do a lot of stuff on purpose for the symbolism, and that's American and that's United. And they did that for that reason, United America. But um, Rob Peraza, I got to meet his brother, Neil Peraza, who flies up from Florida every year. This is the 22nd consecutive year they had this golf course, or sorry, this golf tournament. And they said that's probably going to be the last one. This is my first one going to the Gringo Open in Yonkers, New York. I'm calling bullshit because I think I'm going to do what I can to uh, make it happen again. But there's a. I was doing just a little bit of reading before I went over to to meet Neil Peraza and John Darcy to talk about Rob Peraza, and I met a lot of his uh, a lot of alum from St. Bonaventure, a lot of of Rob Peraza's friends, Neil Peraza's friends. Very very emotional. Uh, a couple good golfers there, and then there was me. But we had a lot of fun, a lot of fellowship. But when I was researching before I went over there, there's a picture of of. Robert Peraza Sr., who was Rob Peraza's father, he went one of the anniversaries to the family still every anniversary. They read off every single name of the people that were killed on 9-11. And there's a Rob, Robert Peraza Sr., Rob's dad, Neil's dad, was going there to read off his name. And as he's walking by, there's those two reflective pools that are the, the towers where, where the North Tower and the South Tower used to sit. If you haven't been to the 9-11 memorial, you really should go. But they're there, and... The, the the names are written of the people who died on the on the the outsides of these pools, these waterfalls. That very very solemn place, but they wanted to try to keep everyone together, so they're not in alphabetical order it, together. And you know which ladder they were in, which company they were in, family members. They wanted to put them together, so someone came up with an algorithm to put the names symmetrically. But as Robert Peraza Senior was walking over to put uh sorry to read his uh read his son's name he looked down and saw his son's name on there and he walked over and he uh saint bonaventure is is a catholic university that they really when i went there what i liked and you know you've probably heard me talk left-leaning right-leaning whatever they didn't talk politics they don't talk politics they, they talk education they talk about bettering themselves and that's this was not a this was not a political moment but robert peraza senior saw rob peraza's name and he went over and he he took a knee and he said a prayer, and that was a, an iconic picture of in memory, memoriam of what happened on 9-11, and uh, just a very cool picture. If, if you want to look that up, I'd recommend it. It always comes back to that, though, to, for me anyway, especially being in New York, talking about 9-11 and how, how it, I, I don't want to say brought us together, but sort of made us realize what's important, and it's always important every single day to do that, to, to take a moment to, to realize what's important. And looking up St. Bonaventure's rugby team, I, I had to find out what, because, you know, whenever you're looking at stuff, it's always trying to find, find the history. Um, there, there's a, they were calling themselves, and they still might, there was a mascot, whatever. They, they say Go Bonnies, I believe. At least they were saying that when I was there. And I have a hat downstairs that says Go Bonnies. And a Bonnie, I guess, is is their mascot. And there's there was a story about whether or not they, they got a dude in a wolf costume. But a Bonnie's a wolf. And the story is something in, in uh, 
part of the Catholic religion where there was a wolf and and uh, everyone that tried to go fight the Bonnie was killed because the Bonnie was such a badass and he killed everyone. So uh, I guess no matter what you're doing, playing shitty golf, just be the wolf and you're never out of the fight.